Welcome back, party people, to episode 11 of the Reactor Core. My name is Kyle Springer. I am joined by Melissa Wilkinson, as pretty much always. Yep. <laughs> it is us two holding the fort down, as usual. Mm. Uh, how are you? It's, it's, it's the start of the week. It's a it Monday is. night when we are recording this. a this. unique time for us to record. I'm doing well. Is your week off to a good start? Yes. I, I just ate dinner here in my little makeshift That's good news. podcast studio. And so the whole studio smells like a cheesy chicken bacon pot pie. Oh, <laughs> so it, <laughs> that was, it just kept on going like cheesy chicken. chicken okay, bacon, bacon pot, pot pie. pie. <laughs> exactly. So I'm 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 good. I'm fat and happy right now. That's the way my, to be. my stomach is filled. Uh, but this 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 time. I, yes. I, 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 I don't really want to say this week since we don't do this show necessarily weekly. No. But M Melissa, I know you were just bursting at the seams to talk about good omens. Yes. So uh, this is going to be a bit of an experiment for us mm -hmm. on this episode. Normally, uh, I, th I think up until now, we've covered movies. Stuff yeah. that has been out uh, in the movie theaters that you all can go go watch and stuff like that. So we've both watched everything. It's just mm. like, hey, we're going to go see Solo or we're going to go see Detective Pikachu, which is actually what we covered last time yeah. uh, on episode 10. But this time is mm -hmm. different. This is a, a couple different ways, yes. Yeah, this is the first like mini TV series. I think it's like a mm. mini series uh, that we have watched, but I haven't watched it. Yes, you have been saying that you wanted to diversify what we cover here on the on the reactor core, and not mm -hmm. just do like big blockbuster movies, like maybe cover a TV show, like binge it all the weekend it drops or something yeah. like that. And I said, I'm really excited for Good Omens. And you're like, I don't know if I'm into that. Also, I don't even have Prime. <laughs> yeah, I was like, sweet, let's do it. But I can't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a subject I uh, really love. So I'm like, I'm going to watch the entire thing. You have seen half of a trailer and some production stills from Neil Gaiman's Twitter. Yeah, and I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. <laughs> okay. So All right, good I'm, start. I'm, I'm prepared to be educated. Yeah, so I am going to explain to Kyle and to you, the audience, what this thing is beginning <laughs> to end. I'm going to give a bit of a synopsis to start with, and then I will be going through all six episodes of the series. Yeah, we we normally do like spoiler cast type of mm -hmm. stuff uh, with a run down of what the plot was. We talk about what we liked about each scenes and stuff like that. So we'll be doing a bit of that in just a sec but first i i so we mentioned that this is a t tv show but it is based <laughs> off of a book right yes this is okay. a six episode amazon prime show in every episode's about an hour long this is based on a book called good omens by oh. neil gaiman and terry pratchett r.i.p okay this book came out in i think about 1990 and this copy I got for my 16th birthday. 
I'd never heard of the book before. And one of my friends gave this to me awesome. and said, I think you'd really like it. And I loved it. Nice. This is the same copy I have had That's perfect. since 2006 when it came out with this really nice re-release. That's good. So it so it's it's been almost thirty years since the book yeah. came out, and they they turned wow, good yeah. stuff. Yeah, and it was a book where as soon as it came out, like it became a huge cult classic, and everybody wanted it to be turned into a movie. And the writers were like, "Well, we don't know if it'll ever get to be a movie." And I think it's been something that has like almost gotten off the ground a couple times. And okay. I'm so happy it happened now and not before. Because I think this adaptation of it, it's six hours is exactly as long as it needs to be. I'm glad this thing lasted and until it, we've got this age of like mini TV shows and okay. it doesn't have to just be yeah. a movie yeah. or like I don't know, some other format. Like two hours is too little. This six hour thing, just right. So I, I, you kind of already took me back to square one, which is what yeah. I was going to kind of ask and be like, how did you find out about this? <laughs> yeah, um, these all kind of got wrapped up into one. I'm sorry I broke your question structure. You're totally fine. No, <laughs> uh, what I wanted to, to, to ask, which is a mm -hmm. bit more of a granular thing, uh, how long did it take you to actually start? start rating it from when you oh. got it was it like i'll get to it one day and then you stumbled upon it like a year after but like man wow why didn't i read this soon or sooner i think it took me definitely less than a year okay i got this for my 16th birthday i remember reading it the next summer like while I was going to like, I, I transferred high schools just because the district I was in redrew the boundary lines. Like mm -hmm. you're no longer in central. Now you're in West. Ooh. So I remember like sitting here reading this while I was going to my like orientation classes at West. Like, Hey, you're suddenly in a new high school. Welcome. Here's the lay of the land. Walk around, you know, mm -hmm. get your, your class schedule, all of that. I remember like waiting for my mom to come pick me up from that and reading this book. And I think that was my first time. Okay. So Good not that stuff. long. This was not something I shelved for a long time. Like, I really like this. I got on it pretty soon, you know, for a busy high school student with a lot of school reading to do. Like, the next summer, I was on it. I there read it. Know. I loved it. I read it again a couple months later to do a book report on it. I read it again in college. So I've read this at least three times. It's been okay. a couple years. I'm I'm terrible at that. I like reading <laughs> But I mainly read like comic books and stuff like mm -hmm. that. I I do have a number of books I've read. We've we've both expressed our love for the Artemis Fowl series yes. and stuff like that. But I a couple years ago a friend got me a book and I don't even remember the name of it now. But I haven't even read it yet. It's just <laughs> sitting on my, my my on my shelf looking nice. So good good that that, that you ended up diving in and falling in love. Yeah, and I picked this up last night because I'm the sort of person that will, like, dog ear all the pages yep. of, like, parts that I like. I'm like, I want to revisit all the parts I liked the first <laughs> time I read this book. And I would sit there and I'd read, like, pages and pages beyond, like, the one paragraph I thought was really neat. Like, this book is written in such an easy, fun style that you pick it up and it is hard to put it back down again. It is something I do remember going back to 
a couple times when I was younger. And it's something that has persisted for its audience throughout the decades. Like there's a foreword in this book about how the authors have been handed like such battered copies of this book for like book signings. <laughs> like, well, I dropped it in the bathtub and then I had to repair it with tape and the tape is peeling off and part of it's held and together. And then I had to finish page 56 by memory and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, well, here you go. Please sign this. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Melissa. Yes. First thing that I'm g gonna have you do is kind of run through a general synopsis of mm -hmm. of this, of this non spoilery, just g general thoughts uh, of of the plot synopsis. What what you thought? Uh, mm -hmm. Just it, yeah, if if you would recommend it and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, first off, the TV show follows the book very closely. Okay, like there's only a handful of things that are changed. Mostly, it's like. There, we don't need that joke. We don't need that D plot. And here's a couple extra scenes thrown in for more character development. It's very close. Nice. So when I say one thing, it's about both the book and the TV show, pretty much. And the TV show was all written by Neil Gaiman himself. Oh, wow. I, I did not know that. Yeah. Terry Pratchett passed away a couple years ago. But one of my friends who also loves this book and loved the whole TV show wrote to me and he said, I read somewhere that that was Terry Pratchett's like last wish he gave to his friend Neil Gaiman, like make good omens, please <laughs> see this through. And it's Terry, it's Neil Gaiman writing everything as himself and like living as much of Terry Pratchett's spirit as he can. And it's that's awesome, really beautiful to watch. Yeah. What uh, do you do? You happen to know what else Terry? Pratchett has written he wrote the disc world series which is this that's massive, where i heard the name yes. okay i was like i know that name from something i i, yeah. I just don't remember it no, yeah it's right a there. huge like yeah. fantasy comedy series that spans all of these books and it's all just sort of in one extended universe basically where you can pick up almost any book in the series and start there Okay. I've read a handful cool. of them. They are pretty fun. Good stuff. So th this was all written by Neil Gaiman. What mm. what is the basic premise? Okay. Armageddon is on the way. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> the Antichrist has been born. He has been placed with this one particular family. It's all part of this great plan. And then Armageddon is supposed to kick off this huge war between heaven and hell. And the story follows this one angel and this one demon who have both been like agents on Earth for 6,000 years. And they've befriended each other over that time. And they've reached this agreement where they just sort of, you know, they're friends and they'll like d do a miracle or a temptation for the other one. Like there's still definitely an angel and a demon where they're like, okay. well, you know, who who cares how it gets done or who does it? Like all the head office really cares is that somebody does this really good or terrible thing so they're like kind gotcha. of sending out all these all these cosmic influences all over the place and they like this lifestyle they don't want anything to change they don't want this war so they are going to try and influence the antichrist both very good and very bad so that he grows up just normal and armageddon like all falls apart that's their that's their hope like there's not going to be a giant war and then a week before Armageddon, they find out the Antichrist has been misplaced. Oh, no. 
<laughs> and so it's everything all, is all for naught. <laughs> like the boy they've been following his whole life, that's not him. That's just a boy. Oh no. <laughs> like a week left to scramble and find the oh, he's been Antichrist. Wait, has he been replaced or mis misplaced? There was like a mix-up at the hospital where these boys were born. They gave the Antichrist baby to the wrong family. Oh, okay. <laughs> Switched at birth. <laughs> yeah. And so it's them, and there's like a woman whose ancestor was this witch who wrote this big book of prophecies, and it's her as the descendant. She has to use this book and figure out all the prophecies and stop Armageddon. There's a squad of witch finders that are there to stop any supernatural happenings. There's, you know, angels, demons, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and just the boy himself, the real antichrist who has grown okay. up without any supernatural influence at all. And what he does when he gets his powers. There you go. Good it's stuff. It's a madcap comic really fun adventure supernatural tale and so i'm i it, it sounds like you liked the show then it it, it yeah. was a good adaption i i thought it was fantastic and again i'm so happy it was made now and not earlier because i think the limited series like streaming platform tv show is a very good format for the story and how long <laughs> it is and what kind of storylines it's weaving together and the cast is so good. Like, if they made this thing in the 90s like so many fans wanted, we wouldn't have the Aziraphale we have now. And he's <laughs> outstanding. Everybody's good, but I think his performance is my favorite one. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, well, before we get into spoilers and yes. the plot synopsis stuff, um, let's do a little bit of housekeeping yeah. for you guys. Uh so I mentioned just a bit ago that last episode here on the Reactor Core, we covered Detective Pikachu. Yeah. Uh, so if you guys have seen that movie, uh, go 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 check out our spoiler cast so on that. So it was a, lo a lot of fun, yeah. Uh, but we also have a few other podcasts mm -hmm. that we do besides the Reactor Core. Uh, we have the Review Show, which is our weekly book club style show, mm -hmm. which uh, we j just covered in animated anthology film that's on netflix called flavor oh. I, I, yeah every, i don't know yeah ev everything is still on i had one of those old like system overload things Oof. i don't know Your why your computer I, is full of too much system yeah, the system is down. Uh, good thing it happened on the one that we're not live streaming on. Yep. Let's see here. Okay, I'll go from like right there. Do a little bit of That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we, so we covered an animated anthology film called Flavors of Youth. Mm -hmm. uh, it had three stories, all kind of revolving around the theme of youth mm -hmm. uh, and stuff. And so that was a lot of fun. This week, uh, we are covering a 
thriller movie with a twist. Yeah, called it's Serenity. a movie called Serenity. This opened up just earlier here in 2019. It's that movie with Matthew McConaughey on a boat, not the one with Nathan a Fillion in a spaceship. I don't know anything game. about this movie, but I have heard that there's a like the story goes completely off the rails. It gets so bonkers. I've only heard legend of this movie. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So we're both going to walk into this and see what happens to us. Good stuff. Uh, we also have a, another podcast that we do weekly, The Captain's Log, which is our yeah. weekly off-topic show. We just hang out and talk about all sorts of random and dumb stuff. And uh, this week, we got to talk about the live-action Aladdin movie. Yeah, I went to see that. We talked yeah. about differences between our two cities what sports teams we root for what fast, fast food, food joints we eat. stuff like that uh we also got to talk about pixar's uh P P pixar Pixers. pixar <laughs> i'm 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 in this like state where i i i have a lot of energy i'm excited to be here so i'm talking really really fast and i'm just messing up all of my words here um we we talked about Pixar's new yes. trailer for their movie Onward. Uh, Another and... fun fantasy adventure. Exactly. And I got to play some video games with my mama. It was sweet. It's yeah. a good, wholesome story to hear. Exactly. So go ch check out all of that stuff. The whatnots.com mm -hmm. is where you can find out more information. Uh, and if you guys like the stuff that we do, patreon.com slash the whatnots is yeah. where you can throw us some money uh, at the $1 here you get access to the live streams mm -hmm. of uh of the of the review show uh you also get most of our episodes early uh the reactor core is the only one that we don't really put out early because we put it out basically as soon as we record yeah. it um, yeah there's no advance notice for this everybody yeah, just gets like, it at once here it is <laughs> Uh, and yeah, at the $3 tier, we do have some exclusive mm -hmm. content, so be sure to go check that stuff out. Uh, yep. We should be doing an exclusive episode of the review show on Mob Psycho 100 Season 2 yes. coming up, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, and a big thank you to our $5 patrons, yes. Sam and Christine. We appreciate mm -hmm. you both so, so much. Helps thank us out you. a ton uh, with all the hosting and stuff that we have to pay for uh yeah enough housekeeping the house has been kept it's clean melissa we're ke we're keeping the house good hooray <laughs> we don't have to move <laughs> exactly so with that let's get into spoilers. okay so i intended to take notes as i was watching the show mm -hmm. but i was so fascinated by it that i didn't so I tried to put together some notes like two hours ago relying on Wikipedia episode summaries. Okay. And nobody had written one for the last episode yet. Oh, man. So no I've... one has seen that episode. <laughs> Everybody's seen You're it. You're the nobody... only one. <laughs> I have a secret to tell. Yes. M Melissa, Wikipedia me. is relying on you. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got most of everything down. This is six hours, so I can't hit everything. Some stuff is going to be mixed up a little bit. This isn't the definite narrative order. I'm skipping over a lot of bits. Yeah. And like the last hour of it's going to be kind of muddled because I had to do that one entirely from memory. But the heart is there. As they there say on the James Bonding podcast, I'm a lover, not an expert. <laughs> 
Okay. Sounds good to me. So the show opens on the Garden of Eden. And it's this big, beautiful garden surrounded by these fortressy walls in the middle of a desert is how they visualize it. And standing out there on one of this, on one of these like stone barricades, keeping the garden away from the rest of the world, there's an angel. This is a zero fail. And he's watching in the distance as Adam and Eve make their way out of the garden towards the rest of creation. And the snake slithers up to him and takes a human form. And this is the demon Crowley. And they talk. Mm hmm. And they talk about how, you know, did the. Did this happen the way it was supposed to happen? Is this part of God's ineffable plan? Like, yes, they are supposed to run off together. They were mm-hmm. supposed to eat the apple or did everything get screwed up? And the Crowley turns to Aziraphale and he says, didn't you used to have a flaming sword? And Aziraphale says, why, I gave it to them. You know, it's going to be cold out there and there's animals and she's already pregnant. Like, I just gave them the sword. I hope I didn't do the wrong thing. And Crowley says, yeah, I hope I didn't do the right thing by leading them to eat the apple. You know, God's plan. Who knows? Well, let's <laughs> keep going. So uh, Crowley is played by David Tennant. And yes. uh, the, uh, whoever the as, as the, the alphabet is <laughs> is played by Michael Sheen. <laughs> I have no idea how to say his name. A zero fail. Uh, 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 yeah, I'm going to fail at saying his name. A zero fail. Okay, there we yeah. go. The whole series is narrated by <laughs> God, and the voice of God is Francis McDormand. Francis, who? who what do I She's know? Francis Fargo. She's she's who? She's the lady from Fargo. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I'm looking at her IMDb page. She's not doing the Fargo accent, right now. but it's her. Bam. There we go. Yeah. Okie doke. Mm-hmm. I got you now. Does this help? Yes. Okay. So Crowley and Aziraphale, they continue to live and work on Earth. They're among the humans. And they've both gotten very used to sort of human comforts. Crowley has this big black classic Bentley that he's been driving around in for decades. And Aziraphale owns this quaint little bookshop there in London. And the year is, uh, well, it's not given an exact year, but it is 11 years ago, the little timestamp tells us. Okay. And two of Crowley's demon superiors give him the Antichrist, a little baby in a basket. And they're like, we need you to take this to the satanic convent. It's all nuns, but they're dark satanic nuns. Dark nuns, (laughs) the best nuns. (laughs) Like they're secretly satanic. So to the public, they look like just regular obscure nuns. There's, you know, for some weird saint nobody's ever really heard of. Like you are going to take the Antichrist to this convent. There is an American ambassador who is here in England, like visiting a local air base. His wife is going to, you know, get into labor. The air base isn't of a medical center. They are going to rush her to this nearby convent where the, the nuns have some sort of medical training and act as midwives. This is the plan there. You will swap the antichrist for their baby. We're going to give the antichrist to this American ambassador. So that then as he travels the world, he will spread, you know, dark energy. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, the Archangel Gabriel goes to visit Aziraphale. Gabriel is played by my St. Louis homeboy, John Hamm. <laughs> Gabriel visits Aziraphale and he tells him, okay, something demonic is afoot. We're kind of getting weird vibes. Uh, your opposite number, the main guy hell has on Earth is Crowley. Go watch over him. Go kind of shadow what he's doing. Try and like influence as much good over there as you can. All right, so let me see if I have this straight in my head. The Antichrist is just born. They're yes. they're sending him to to this satanic convent to kind of hide him and protect him to make sure he grows up no. as the no, Antichrist. That's where that's where this woman is going to have her baby. They're going to swap her baby for the Antichrist. Okay, and is yes. that that's Gabriel's plan of like heavens? Like, hey, if we switch them, maybe like no, nothing will no, happen. That's and the sort of long-standing cosmic plan that like hell long ago agreed on to set Armageddon in motion. Just like and... the Antichrist will be b b born, and we're gonna just insert him into another family. He's not supposed yeah, to be in. Yeah, he's gonna okay. go into Earth. He will uh, live and sort of fester among the humans. And like, there's a lot of like That's great plans and prophecies. Yeah. And eleven years from now, that kid is gonna kick off Armageddon. Okay. Like this is all part of the plan. An eleven-year-old holding that much power. Yeah, 11 is kind of an odd number. It's not like a neat demonic 13 or anything like that. Just 11. Yeah. So the plan is getting into action. And then another couple shows up at this convent to have their baby. The woman has gone into labor a week early. So then it becomes this kind of game of three card Monty. So like Crowley <laughs> walks in and he sees like the father like smoking a pipe outside and he thinks uh -huh. that's the American ambassador. And he's like, oh, you know, it's all started then. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, my wife's having a baby in there. And he has no idea <laughs> there's another baby. So he goes in. There's some mix up with the nuns. He gives the demonic baby to just this innocent English <laughs> couple. And I think the American couple like keeps their same baby the whole time. And the nuns are, like, trying to influence the American couple. Like, why don't you give him a nice name like Damien or Warlock? And the wife's like, I like Warlock. <laughs> <laughs> so the completely normal human baby is named Warlock. And the demonic Goodness baby gracious. is just named standard classic Adam. Because that nun is also trying to convince that pair of parents, like, to all these other demonic names, they don't like any of them, and she's struggling for anything vaguely biblical, even if it's the nice side of biblical, and she's like, I don't know, Adam? And they're like, Adam's good. So that <laughs> is Adam Young. He is the Antichrist. Nobody knows it. Adam the Antichrist. Yep. <laughs> so the big plan is that Armageddon... The kid kicks off Armageddon. Armageddon starts this massive war between heaven and hell, and both sides want to win. Mm -hmm. Crowley and Aziraphale don't want this because that would, one of their sides is going to end up losing, even if they are kind of vaguely free agents nowadays. So are, like, are they friends? Are, how long have yes. they been acquaintances? Since the Garden of Eden. Okay. So approximately 6,000 years. Sure. That makes yeah. sense. 
And they, I'll talk about this more a little bit later, they've known each other throughout history. Okay, cool. Mm, they keep, like, bumping into each other's lives. So they're, they're just hanging out one night. They go to dinner. They're drinking. They're like, we can't let this happen. We don't want war. Like, we don't want hell to win forever. We don't want heaven to win forever. But we want this. We want just life to keep on going as it is with this kind of tug of war back and forth. So what they're going to do is that they are each going to watch over Warlock, who they believe is the Antichrist. They're going to each watch over Warlock as a godfather. And each of their sides have told them, hey, go influence that child to evil or go influence that child to good. But they're yeah. talking to each other and they're like, we know we're both doing this. Let's really try and split it down the middle so he's not evil, he's not good, he's just regular, and the whole Armageddon thing is just a dud and we don't have to have any kind of war. Sounds like a plan to me. Mm -hmm. So they are both there on the kid's 11th birthday. You know, the, the Aziraphale's dressed as like a, a party magician and he's doing a terrible job. Like they're both undercover. <laughs> and they both showed up like throughout this kid's life as like the nanny and the gardener oh, trying to influence him. And, like, the 11th birthday is supposed to be the kickoff to it. Because that's... Would, hmm? to, to, when you say that they're in disguises and they're, like, spending the, the, this this yeah. time trying to influence him, are, are they actually turning into other people? Or is it, like, just <laughs> terrible disguises? Oh, no, like, how come you don't recognize these people? <laughs> no, the nanny is just, like... David Tennant in a wig and lipstick. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what, what I want. <laughs> They're not borrowing other people's faces. Yeah, it's great. So it's the 11th birthday, and this is the day where hell will release a hellhound. The biggest, scariest hellhound there is. Sure. This is going to be the child's guardian. It's his hound. This is a classic boy and dog story. It's this great beast, and it will adapt to the Antichrist's desired and form. they'll be best friends. And when he names it, that's how Armageddon begins. That sort of chooses his path for him. Okay. So Aziraphale and Crowley are at this party, and the demons are calling Crowley. They're like, so, has the Hellhound arrived yet? Because he's the only one up top on Earth. And he's like, uh, no. Are you, are, what, three o'clock? Are you sure? Three o'clock? Ah, <laughs> well, well, it's 3.08. I'm not seeing a Hellhound. And they Maybe realize, the mail is late, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. We must have the wrong Antichrist. It's the worst. <laughs> and meanwhile, Adam Young has grown up completely <laughs> innocent. He's just this normal boy. He's got, he lives in this little quaint English village. It's him and his three friends. Uh -huh. Pepper, uh, who's a feisty girl. Brian's like a kind of a slobby boy. Always got a snack. And Winsleydale, the nerd. You know, your classic Winsley archetypal Dale. kids. Yeah. And he his role, he's kind of the leader of them. He comes up with all the cool ideas like, oh, let's play this today. Let's go here. You know, let's sure. have this activity. And it's his birthday, too, of course. And he's telling them that he wants a dog for his birthday. And the hellhound, like, secretly comes, like, padding up to him throughout the forest. And they're like, your parents are never going to let you have a dog, you know, the big dog and your house is little. And he's like, no, I want a little dog. And the hellhound shrinks. <laughs> it becomes this little like. Just like, all right, I fine. <laughs> I forget what kind of dog it is. Like a Jack Russell Terrier or something like that. Just like a small, sporty dog that sure. he can like teach tricks. 
going to be a nice <laughs> companion, can sleep in his bed with him. That's the dog he wants. So that's what the hellhound becomes. And he's like, I want a dog that's going to be small and I can teach it tricks. And, and I'm going to call him, I'll just call him dog. That seems like it'll keep things easier. <laughs> so the dog has been named. The, what if, the fate is sealed. What if we we did that to our children? Well, I just, I I can't think of any. Let's just call him human. <laughs> hey, human. <laughs> this is my my child kiddo. Yeah. This is this is my kid Buckaroo. <laughs> Buckaroo, my beautiful children. Sport Buckaroo, champ Scout, Squirt. <laughs> my mightiest child, Squirt. Hello, <laughs> I am Squirt. <laughs> So he he names the hellhound dog. Dog, yeah, and it's not a hellhound anymore. It's it's like a hell mutt. <laughs> yeah, hell mutt, basically. <laughs> so that seals the deal, and it is time to for the four horsemen of the apocalypse to come together. And this is a week before Doomsday. There, now you get is, these... is is this a similar thing to the dog, where the four horsemen just show up, or does he get to somehow kind of appoint his? For no, there is like I need of... you to be pestilence. <laughs> no, there is this kind of cosmic being who is um, personified as a delivery man. He's just going around in like a postal truck, and he has to go to. You see him do this slowly over the course of a couple episodes: war, famine, pollution, and death. Mm -hmm. So he drives to each of them. Uh, like war, for instance, is a um, she's a reporter. She's a war correspondent. Sure. And she goes to like this um, meeting of different African cultures uh, where they've been warring with each other. And finally, it's the time to sign the peace accords. They've all reached okay. an agreement. And as soon as she slides up there, they get in this huge argument about why do you get to sign the peace accord first? I should sign the peace accord first. And they all start pulling guns on each other. And she's like, ha yes. And then this delivery man comes up like, hello, uh, I've got a package for you. And she's like, oh she opens it up and there's a sword inside. And she's like, yes, it's time to ride. It's like, that's war. Famine is this businessman who's selling basically like empty calorie-less food. Like it looks like food. It tastes <laughs> like food, but it's not food. <laughs> pollution is just you know a pollution spirit like watching all this trash drift by a river like yes good it's beautiful and death is death like pretty classic standard death sure and instead of being horsemen they all ride around on motorcycles okay <laughs> yeah so they're just slowly collecting you know in the background over the next couple episodes this is also a time where we get introduced to a lot of other characters and the cast expands so we go back in time a couple centuries to Witch hunt times. I forget what year it is. You can picture witch witch hunt times pretty yes. much. Yeah, I, 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 God, I don't even know my own uh, American history stuff. I want to say what sixteen hundreds. I think something like that. This is in England, but uh, maybe those things happened at the same time. I don't know. Who knows? If, if <laughs> she walks like a duck, she talks like a duck. <laughs> <laughs> If she turns you into a new and you get better, still a witch. Yeah. So this particular witch is named Agnes Nutter. 
and she has written what will prove to be history's most accurate book of prophecies. Yep, the nice and accurate prophecies. Nostradamus. Yeah, exactly. The nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter, which, and it's all these little kind of riddles and puzzles. Like everything is obscure and everything's a metaphor. Okay. You know, and sometimes they, she does come right out and say something like, okay, prophecy 764 says don't invest in Betamax. <laughs> Great. I like yeah, it. It's, it's all kinds of things, very tiny, specific things, big historical things. She's all written this down in this big, beautiful book. And she's getting it published. It's going to be a bestseller. And she's got like the preprint copy there with her when the witch finders come to capture her. The lead witch finder is named Thou Shalt Not Commit Adultery Pulsifer. First name, Thou Shalt Not Commit Adultery. Last name, Pulsifer. Okay. <laughs> so he burns her at the stake, but she has filled her entire dress with gunpowder. Like she's lined the dress with gunpowder. I, 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 I have to say, I just got the j -j -j joke, <laughs> by the way. Like, man, they 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 really stepped up their g g g game from just calling him dog or, or like <laughs> human. They called him "Thou shalt not committed a d d d d poultry." I wonder why. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I see now. <laughs> So she's burned at the stake and she takes the entire village down with her. Her little cottage is left there on the outskirts of town and her daughter and her son-in-law come to collect her final belongings mm -hmm. and they find the book and there's a note saying, daughter, these are my prophecies. Keep them, watch over them. There's information in these prophecies that will benefit you throughout the years to come like and that remember don't invest in the future too. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it tells her like uh i forget like the metaphorical riddly puzzly twisty way of saying this basically it says invest in apple so <laughs> when apple comes around the family makes it big so centuries from now her family is all set up and they've you know, year after year, generation after generation, carried this book around with them. Okay. And the uh, most recent descendant of Agnes Nutter is this woman named Anathema Device. Okay. And <laughs> so I'm I'm now getting the idea that all these names are just completely ridiculous, and they're going to get more and more ridiculous as this goes on yeah they don't bring it up in the show but there's a bit in the book where she explains one of her other ancestors is the guy who invented the device and she's talking to this other character and they're like the device the term device isn't named after a person so she's like yeah everybody forgot about mr device and there's like cyrus t doodad and like <laughs> ella widget like she names all these other people like you know, like Sir Guga was an incredibly important inventor. Yes, Mrs. So Thingamabob. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like that's a bit in the book that, that's great. that isn't in there, but it 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 almost makes it, 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 it. it makes it that much funnier that they don't mention yeah. it. It's just yeah. it's it's, it's like, just a thing. Advice. Okay, yeah. here we go. <laughs> so 
Anathema, she is the last descendant before Armageddon. I think the book like stops at Armageddon. That's like the last set of prophecies in it. Okay. And I mean, the world's supposed to end in -hmm. the big, in the big old world. Yeah. And the book just said that wrong, but we're we're not going to mention that. The book directs her towards Tadfield, this Mm -hmm. little English countryside village. This is where Adam Young lives. So she moves to this little cottage in Tadfield from her home in America. You know, she's got her books. She's got her witch supplies. She's going to figure it out. She's going to target Armageddon with mm-hmm. the help of her, you know, great however many times grandmother and try and stop it. Okay. And where where is this in the show at this point? Is this episode one, two, three? Oh, this, where, is, where episode, are we now? this is episode two. Episode one okay. is... Garden of Eden through to whoops, we've got the wrong Antichrist. Gotcha. So this is episode two. They're filling the cast out. And we meet somebody else. There's a young man named Newton Pulsifer. And we flash back to him as a little kid where he's trying to build his computer. He's trying to like set up some electrical network. Like he mm-hmm. really wants to be a computer engineer. And he blows it. He completely blows it. Like the electricity on the entire block is down. And this problem has plagued him throughout his adult life. He's been fired from job after job because the second he touches a computer, it just breaks. Oh, no. Cosmically. He cannot computer. And so he's... Uh, oh, and you will notice, Pulsifer, he is the descendant That's of the what I was witch finder who burned Agnes Nutter. Okay? Are you following yes. this? Yes. Okay. All right. And so he's despondent. He's been fired from another job after about 15 minutes. And he's wandering the streets, and he walks past this crazy guy on a street corner yelling about witches. Mm-hmm. Join the witch finder army. We're going to find witches, and we're going to hunt them down. And he just sort of stops and listens for a little bit, and that's enough for this man to, like, grab onto him. This is Shadwell. This is this man's name. Okay. He's played by Michael McKeon, who I have loved in many things. I don't know if I could name a thing to you you would have seen him in. Let's see, Michael McKeon. Michael McKeon, boy, what a star. Is it actually McKeon or McKean? I think it's pronounced McKeon. I don't know if I've actually heard a person say it. Maybe I've just seen it written down. He's in, um, uh, he's in Better Call Saul. Oh, yeah, he's. I've uh, not seen that, but I think I've seen him in commercials. Yeah, he's ch- he's Chuck McGill in Better Call Saul. Sure, I, I know him from all the Christopher Guest movies and one really good two part episode X Files. He's he he is a a good a- a- actor. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Like he's he's a very fun Shadwell. He's just sort of this crazy old coot with this really strong scottish accent just screaming about witches <laughs> and what was once this prestigious like i'm the witch finder general i practically run the countryside everybody loves me because i hunt mm-hmm. down the witches centuries ago to now it's like it's him uh just in his apartment you know the only other witch finders is like well we've got witch finder cabinet and witch finder mug oh, and witch finder spoon and now you <laughs> newton you're the new witch finder and their only weapon is pins that... seems like the odd whoa, whoa, whoa yeah, odd one out yeah, there it's like well i need a job sure <laughs> i gotta fill my day with something now yeah. like their only weapon is pins like these long stick pins that they use to like jab women and that's some sort of a test to find out if they're witches or not and all they do is they sit in his apartment she all bleeds. day. She's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> and they cut 
out newspaper clippings for, okay, we're here to trace weird stuff that happens and just mm-hmm. scrapbook, basically. Okay. So it's the two of them. <laughs> and then Shadwell lives next to this woman named Madam Tracy, who is a kind of sham psychic uh, and also prostitute some afternoon if she gets an appointment booked. Okay. And she's just this sweet old like sweet woman in like her 60s she just dotes on mr shadwell she's like do you want some tea dear i'll bring you some tea do you want any dinner and he's like shut up you jezebel get out of here (laughs) and like that's just their relationship like she's really sweet and he yells at her and it just keeps going like that she's like all right dear well you know let me know if you want any toast (laughs) okay so there's there's the three of them all right and that is still episode two. We're still like expanding the cast and still being like, okay, here's yeah. the four horsemen. Yeah. Here's the witch hunter army. Here's all. Yeah, you don't. I think you just get like one horseman per episode for a little while. That collects more slowly. Okay. That's like gotcha. a that slow makes sense. burning thing throughout the middle couple episodes. And so uh, Anathema, she is out there in Tadfield. She's looking for the start of Armageddon. She meets Adam as the kids are like all riding their bikes around. She can't tell. Mm-hmm. Like she, he has like this magical aura around him that like makes him, it camouflages him. He looks completely normal. Dog looks completely normal. She's looking for the, the devil and she can't see him right in front of her pretty much. <laughs> so... Curly and Azir failed to check back in with them after they realized, oh no, where's the real Antichrist? They tried to go back to that nunnery to look up any records. Like, was there another baby born that night? Did we give him to the wrong family? Like, what? where is he? So they go to that nunnery. I can't imagine... Actually, I guess I can. I was going to say, I can't imagine Satan keeping records. But then having people keep those records would be punishment enough. (laughs) It was the job of that satanic convent to keep records. But then once they placed the Antichrist with the family, or so Uh they believed, one of Crowley's demon bosses was like, well, you've served your purpose, and he just lights the entire thing on fire. Okay. So, like, now the nunnery, there's, like, one nun who survived, and she's taken this old ramshackle building and now she hosts team building paintball games great great stuff so they <laughs> Crowley and Aziraphale show up it's not a nunnery anymore it's a paintball course the office there do, playing paintball is the office that just fired Newton also so everything's <laughs> kind of connected okay and they look around they're like oh there's no records left like they all burned up in the fire there's nothing we have to go on and they're driving gotcha. back to London and they accidentally hit Anathema riding around on her bicycle. They accidentally hit her with the car. And the doctors did everything they could. <laughs> and they say she's going to be just fine. <laughs> Michael Scott, like, the office. <laughs> they kind of, Aziraphale kind of miracles all of her, you know, her broken bones away. Like, sure. oh boy, not a scratch on you. Aren't you lucky? And like, he fixes her bike, but he fixes it too good. She's like, my bike didn't have that many gears on it before. <laughs> and then the, they drop her off at home and she takes the bike back off the car. And she's like, uh, and now the gears are gone. Okay. Cause he's like, oh no, I fixed it too much. Got to return it back the way it really was. <laughs> and she accidentally leaves the book of prophecies, the only prophecy book in existence. Oh no. From Agnes Nutter. She leaves it in the backseat of the car. 
So then, let me stop you there. Yes. What you've explained all of that, but what are you thinking when you're watching this? What what had like what are they doing ex excellently? Have the were there any Easter eggs? What, what what's going on in oh, your mind at okay. this point? There are a lot of lines taken directly from the book. Okay. Like whole passages and conversations straight out of the book. Like this is one of the most detailed and loyal adaptations I have ever seen. Because it is written by the real author yeah. in loving memory of his co-author. Yeah. And it, I mean, I, it, he like he knows what's important and what's not. Yes. So like, okay. Maybe we don't need Tom Bombadil, but we can, <laughs> exactly. you know, put yes. the stuff in. Yeah, I think it's it's very well executed. Like, the show's got a great style. I love the cast. It's really funny. You know, the effects look cool. You know, there's no, like, super corny. Like, oh, like, they're not perfectly believable angel and demon wings because they don't need to be. Like, they look like sure. what they're supposed to look like. Everything's on the same page. It's, like, really consistently well done it sounds like a lot of this uh is is not meant to be yeah like realistic or like yeah, it is meant to be like to be a little campy yeah yeah exactly of, of like mm. yeah those don't they, they just look like you it's a, it's like a backpack with angel wings you got on there or something <laughs> it's like well sure sure but the, <laughs> you know like it, it just it actually looks like maybe that's a c costume but they don't really say we, we, we don't yeah. know Okay, I got gotcha. you. Give me a sec, and I'm going to walk you through my favorite thing the TV show does. Okay. Okay, so we're wrapping up episode two. Crowley takes Aziraphale back to the little bookshop where he lives and works, and Aziraphale notices, oh, that girl left a book in the back of the car. It's that book. Because people have heard legends of the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter, which, but there's only been one copy in existence. It was the sort of thing where, like, she'd sold it to publishers, but it never got off the ground and the copies were destroyed. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's documentation that this book existed, but, like, her descendants were the only people to actually have one. And so it's this holy grail of books okay. that Aziraphale just finds in the back of Crowley's car. And he just sort of grabs the book, like nips off with it. And Crowley's like, uh, oh, okay, bye. <laughs> and they oh, they were so stuck. They didn't know where the Antichrist was. And Aziraphale's looking through this prophecy book and he finds, I forget exactly what it says, but he is given the directions like the boy's named Adam. He's in Tadfield. Okay, so yeah, they, like they at it, least have name and location. -ish. Yeah, yeah, and like it's, I, you know, it must be like language that something Anathema couldn't get, but Aziraphale reads it, and he's got the right context for, I know what's going on. I know where the Antichrist is. We've That's episode wait. two. <laughs> episode three has a half-hour-long cold open. Okay. Goodness. Like they don't, they don't do the opening credits until half an hour into this episode. You know, some some sometimes I kind of really like when things yeah. do that. Um, there's two examples that come to mind. There's the death of Gwen Stacy in the mm. old Spider-Man comics, where they normally would have the title page of the comic like a page or two 
two in, but yeah. they knew that the title would spoil it, and they didn't want to do that. Yeah. So they they put the title page at the end there. Or uh, if you've seen the uh, yeah the Netflix original show the OA or the mm. OA. Uh, that like the first episode is like an hour long and it's about 40 minutes in and that's when you get the title it's like whoa okay here we go and so the entire cold open is the history of crowley and aziraphale and their friendship okay good (laughs) like you see them throughout history like there's the building of Noah's Ark. There's the crucifixion of Jesus. They're standing there watching and talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's them as knights in the dark ages, you know, with King Arthur <laughs> and all that. And then, like, come back here and fight like a man. I'll bite your head off. <laughs> yeah, they are like the white knight and the black knight. <laughs> yeah. In, like, the reign of terror in Paris. They're in Victorian times. They're in okay. World War II. They're in, like, swinging 1960s London. You follow them throughout history and do do their like hairstyles and looks change oh yeah yeah. okay good good oh they go to shakespearean times like they're watching a rehearsal of hamlet and crowley's got this disastrous like scraggly beard (laughs) like people would have had back then and aziraphale's got this big neck ruff yeah it is all like beautiful costumes and wigs that's great oh and crowley has he has snake eyes so he's okay. always wearing sunglasses or whatever gotcha. the historical equivalent of sunglasses yeah, is. Yeah, I was going to say, what what did they have in, like, medieval time, like Shakespearean times? So if he's in, like, ancient Rome, he's just sort of, you know, hiding his head under a hood as much as he, he can. He looks like Emperor in, like, Palpatine <laughs> yeah, from Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but then he's got, like, these tiny little, like, perched on the end of his nose spectacles in Shakespearean times and these big, round, like, John Lennon glasses and, like, 1960s London. Yeah. That changes the whole time. And the relationship these two had in the book, there it's all this back-and-forth banter. They're the only anchor the other person has in the entire world. Like it said, like you kind of befriend the only other consistent face to be around over the last 6,000 years. Like they are each other's best friends and confidants. And that makes sense. And it's not romanticized, but it is shippable for sure. <laughs> if you get that, is is, get is, that- is, 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 is there actual subtext or is it just like, man, they, they sure are good, good pals. <laughs> There is a bit in the book that says when people first meet Aziraphale, they know three things about him. This is just any old person. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, he's English. He's smart. He's super gay. But <laughs> the book also says angels don't really have any sexuality unless they really want to make an effort for it. So it's just sort of this chaste, uh, just sort of all like quasi romantic deep friendship that two of them have. There, there's an is sorry to yeah. get sidetracked with this, but there, there is a a weird thing in the Bible that I don't oh no no one knows or at least I I think no one knows hmm. exactly what it means. But the Nephilim, have you heard of? I that? have heard that word before. So it no one knows if it's if if it's the offspring of 
angels that came down to earth to have sex with women or <laughs> if the nephilim were those a- angels okay. that came down it's one okay. of those weird things where the wording is a little ambiguous and it's like i don't know something weird happened here some horny angels or something you know but uh <laughs> so yeah can can con- continue on <laughs> yeah so the book it's everything's just very oh it's sort of a good strong friendship and it's mostly like readers conjecture making sure. it into more than that the series treats it a lot more romantically not traditionally romantically like they never they don't kiss at the end they don't say i love right. you they don't hold hands not, or anything. not like with the with the carrot and stick of like hey we might have sex at some point but oh just no like, like again let's... like they both feel like very asexual the way they you know yeah. are sort yeah. of these larger cosmic beings yeah yeah that's mm. guess what i'm yeah trying to get at yeah yeah it's not it's not horny it's just sort of very sweet and so you're watching their relationship grow over these centuries from like uh well we just work in the same field and we run into each other too they're actively trying to be friends and they actively make this arrangement we've got each other's backs if you need help you call me you know they we're not really an angel and a demon anymore. We're on our own side against everything else. And there's this bit in 1941. Uh, you see it's during the Blitz in London. Mm-hmm. And Aziraphale has taken a bunch of his other famous prophetic books. Like he doesn't have Agnes Nutter, but he's got like all of these other prophecies, you know, like more Nostradamus type things. Sure. And he's meeting with these Nazi spies because they have like, uh, paid him to bring them these books and of course he's planning this as a double cross like here I've brought this police woman with me and she's gonna catch you ha 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 and they're like well we've double crossed you she's not really on your side she's one of us oh, so no. he's stuck in this big mess and then and they are meeting in this church that's where this handover is happening partially destroyed church in the middle of the blitz and then crowley comes in and he's like kind of anxiously hopping around because he describes it as being a demon on consecrated ground is like being at the beach in bare feet so he's sort of anxiously like jittering and hopping around like he can't stand to be there oh no okay before this i have to go back a step Uh uh-huh this is in let me double check my notes and make sure i haven't forgotten i haven't forgotten to mention anything else no okay One scene before this, this is Victorian London. This is like Sherlock Holmes times. Sure. The two of them are having, uh, this is when they are starting to go from we have meetings to we are friends. We meet each other socially and not just on angel demon business. Yeah. And Crowley asks Aziraphale in case, like, because they know all the way back then Armageddon is coming. Armageddon is coming. There's going to be this big war of heaven versus hell. Crowley tells Aziraphale, I want backup in case things go wrong. And he Mm -hmm. asks him to bring him holy water, which is basically the demonic equivalent of a cyanide pill. He's like, if heaven wins, I won't be forgiven. I will be destroyed. Like, I know hell now. That's going to be worse. Like, if the worst thing happens, I want an out. Can you bring me some holy water so I can kill myself if I'm captured, basically? Yeah. And Zerophil says, no way that would absolutely destroy you. 
because they're they can be discorporated. They have these bodies, these kind of mystical bodies, but they can be kind of poofed away out of them and they just have to rebuild their molecules into another body again. I guess kind of like Doctor Who regeneration. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. He's like, that wouldn't just kill your body. That would kill everything about you. I'm not doing that. Okay. So then back, back to 1941. Mm -hmm. Back in that church with the Nazi spies and all the prophecy books. And so Crowley comes in, you know, he knows his Aerofail has gotten into this mess and he walks, you know, he sort of runs into this church and then he sees all this holy water, you know, a font of holy water, like a birdbath thing sure, they have yeah. at churches. And he's like, they just leave it out? It's not guarded? Anyone can take it? <laughs> so he arranges for, he kind of magically diverts a bomb to drop onto the church. And he's like, it would sure take a real miracle for us to survive that, huh? And so Aziraphale oh, no. saves the two of them. They kill all those Nazis, and the two of them are left in this protective bubble. And then Aziraphale says, oh, no. Oh, I saved us. I didn't save the books. I forgot the books. I, I've now lost all these classic, priceless, irreplaceable books. And then Crowley says, oh, no. I pulled a little demonic miracle of my own. And he pulls out all of the books, pristine, unharmed. And he hands them to Aziraphale. And he says, go on, I'll give you a lift home. And there is this romantic music swell <laughs> and Seraphiel just looks at Crowley with this amazement and this affection and this tenderness <laughs> it's it's such a turning point like take oh. my breath away <laughs> that's, what, that's fantastic not really played for laughs it's played for this really emotional turning point to mm -hmm. we're allies and we're friends but there's something incredibly special about you and what we have together yeah it's wonderful and so the next little flashback we have to their history is like 1960s mod london and Crowley is now planning a heist. Like he's got all these hired goons and he is going to break into a church and steal holy water because oh, he no. still wants that. He still wants that in his back pocket. And like one of the people, one of his hired hands happens to be a, a younger Shadwell. So it turns out mm -hmm. he's known Crowley and fail for years. And so they're planning this heist. And it's like, okay, gang, we'll, we'll meet back here tomorrow and pull it off. And then Crowley goes back out to his car and Aziraphale is just sitting there in the passenger seat. He's like, what are you doing here? What do you want? And Aziraphale says, I still don't like this plan. I don't want you risking your life. I don't want you destroyed. But this heist also seems really dangerous. And it's the sort of like, well, if you're going to have holy water, I'd rather I give you the holy water. <laughs> like, be safe. Do it at home. And he hands him this thermos of holy water, this cute little thermos. <laughs> like, that's the real stuff. There it is. I still don't want you to do this, but here you go. Like, don't go getting into trouble over it. And Crowley looks really touched. He's like, I, well, I guess I should say thank you. And Ziggerfell's like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to do it. Don't thank me. Just just take me, you know, out to lunch sometime. And, you know, Crowley's been like, can I, can I do anything for you in return? Can I yeah. give you a lift somewhere? And, you know, they're angels and demons. They can pop all around the dang universe if they want to. But he's still like, can I drive you in my car and we can spend some time together and talk and then I will take you to a place. He's like, no, just, I don't know, take me to lunch sometime. We can have a picnic. We can go dine at the Ritz. And Crowley asks again, like, is, there's nothing else I can do for you. I can't 
drive you anywhere. And Aziraphale says, Crowley, you move too fast for me. And like gets out of the car really upset. (laughs) It's such such an emotional moment of, I like you so much and I don't know what to do about it. Like on side. That's fantastic. It's great. And that's like the half hour cold open episode three. (laughs) It's like the, the, the romance between the two just building up and then you move too fast for me <laughs> it's amazing like the the best part of this entire show is just the way michael sheen looks at david Tennant. it's incredible i gotta find somebody to look at me now, like that i'm gonna put you on on the spot here a bit who is there another movie or characters or something that you might uh compare them to like what is who who like who is their relationship compared to (sighs) if you can't think of anything that's fine because i am putting you on the spot here but i feel like there are others like them just the sort of we are enemy agents but we are thrown together just for the sake of you know we're playing this game against each other I know you better than I know anybody else because I don't have friends or anything. My enemy has to be my friend. It, or, like, I, I, I don't have a specific one that's yeah. coming to mind based off your description, but they do seem like a, like an older married couple. Yes, they're very much like that in a lot of bits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's... I don't, there's nobody else exactly like them. I will probably think of somebody in the middle of the night and bolt out of bed like that. It was that you should have said that, but I don't got it right now. Okay. Yeah. We got to keep on chugging. Cause like I said, we are halfway through episode three. Yeah. Who boy. Okay. Back in modern times, it is a matter of days until Armageddon. So Shadwell is an informant for both Crowley and Aziraphale and neither of them know it. Oh no! <laughs> like they're both like I've I've got some humans on my side I can ask for help, and both of them just go to Shadwell. Like, well, Shadwell, I don't know. Look around and find something weird. Like, is there a center point of weirdness anywhere around here? We need somewhere to go. And Newton has been flipping does, through. All does, the- does Shadwell know that they're both or like that? Well, <laughs> I don't think he knows anything. Like, he, they're just sort of these. Oh, he thinks Crowley, because he's known Crowley looking exactly the same since 1916. He thinks he's, this is just like Crowley Jr. It's like, well, okay. uh, sorry to hear about your dad. Like I, like, I imagine them coming to him separately, but then I, like, as the thing where he's like, oh, they're both talking about the same thing. I see what's going on here. Or is he, is he just oblivious? Like, why are they asking about the same thing? That's weird. Oh, well. He kind of puts something together a little bit later on. Okay. So uh, Newton has been looking through all of these newspaper clippings, and he finds out. He's like, there's weird weather happenings over Tadfield. And Chadwell's like, what is it? Like a rain of blood, you know, mm-hmm. showers of frogs. And he's like, no. It is always the perfect weather for the time of year. What place is really like that? What place really has perfect weather all the time? That's weird, right? And Shadwell's like, I don't know. Go look, I guess. Take your witch stabbing pin with you. Go out to Tadfield, see what you can find. So back in Tadfield, Anathema is crying in her garden because she lost that ancient. 
And Adam's riding his bike around and he sees her out there and he stops to talk with her and they go inside and they talk and she gives him these sort of pseudo metaphysical environmental magazines to read like pollution caused Atlantis to sink and, you know, the government is killing whales, like kind of conspiratorial, (laughs) like hippie stuff like that loosely. But but with like a magic twist kind of to it yeah okay yeah or, or, or like a supernatural t- yeah hinge that makes sense so he goes home and he's reading all these magazines as his power is starting to build and he reads about like nuclear reactors they're terrible for the environment they're gonna they're hurting the gaia spirit of mother earth stuff like that and he's like i don't want there to be nuclear reactors anymore And so because he is gaining all of this power without even actively thinking it, without saying, I can make them disappear, they disappear. They don't explode or anything. The power itself doesn't go away. You just look in like the, you know, the big smokestacks and it's like, oh, this is empty. Nothing is generating power. We're still getting power, but there there is nothing there anymore. The nuclear reactor is gone. And everything he's reading, he believes in. He wants it to be real, so it's real. Atlantis rises up from the ocean. The Kraken comes up from the sea. Aliens land. All all these conspiracy theories are true because Adam wants to believe in them. (laughs) What what am I... I have something on the tip of my tongue that that's kind of reminding me of, where it's just like... Their imagination is what's making it real. I don't know. I, I oh, there's lots of stories that go like yeah, that. Yeah. This is, Who knows? This is a particular because oh, well. it's just just all over Earth. It's like, well, uh, like at one point, Crowley picks up a globe and he's like, Atlantis is on here. That wasn't there yesterday. Don't know. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Aziraphale calls the angel Gabriel again, and he's trying to explain to him. So, uh. Uh, I, I found out the Antichrist was misplaced. I think I know how to find him, but I know heaven is gearing up for this big war and it's all like, yay, heaven, win the war. But hey, what if there just wasn't a war? Huh? What if we didn't fight anybody? What if we just sort of continued what we were doing? War. Gabriel's like, what is it good for? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely nothing. Exactly. Gabriel's like, No, absolutely everything. Like, we're still going to have a war and, you know, go fight, team win. Go heaven. And the angels are starting to wonder, how does Aziraphale always kind of know what's going on in the demonic world? And so the archangel Michael calls one of Crowley's demon bosses. And she's like, "Uh, I also have back channels I'm going to check into. Like, they're so mad. Is this an angel and a demon fraternizing with each other? I'm going to call this demon and find out. <laughs> so they know each other. They have business calls, but they're mad that Crowley and Aziraphale are BFFs mm-hmm. and always hang out together and have all these date nights. So so the Archangel Michael, who's played by a woman, there are a couple like traditionally male angels that are played by women. Beelzebub, I think, is played by sure. a female actress down in hell. You know, they sort of play with the whole thing. So she calls one of those demons like, go look into your man Crowley. So heaven and hell are both kind of encroaching in on Crowley and Aziraphale's, you know, arrangement from both sides. Mm -hmm. And so chances are looking slim that uh, Armageddon can be prevented. And so Crowley says to Aziraphale, 
what if we just give up? What if we just run away together? Like not run away together, but he's like, yeah, you and me, oh, you know, we're buddies. We'll go away somewhere. And the way Seer Fail says, go away together is, oh, it's beautiful. Because he's like, even if, you know, all of Earth crumbles to dust, like there's more places in the cosmic universe beyond Earth. Alpha Centauri, weather's great this time of year. Run away to Alpha Centauri <laughs> with me. And Aziraphale's still trying to hold on. He's like, no, if I can just talk to more of the angels, if I could talk to God, like, I could get this all sorted out. We can still stop this war. Mm-hmm. And Crowley's like, no, it's not going to happen. Like, you know, come on. I thought this was just us against them. And Aziraphale's, he's still, like, kind of trying to fight it. He's like, no. You're a demon and I'm an angel, so we're on different sides. There is not an us side. I'm not going away with you. I never liked you in the first place. Oh, no. And Crowley's like, yes, you did. Well, fine then. I'm going away to Alpha Centauri alone, and when I get there, I'm never going to think about you again. <laughs> so the two of them, like, break up and leave each other yelling, and they're, like, on some street side corner, and this other man walks past Aziraphale's like, ugh. I've been through that before. Trust me, you're better <laughs> off with that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and again, it's not super jokey. It is like you really see Aziraphale there like crumbling. Yeah. Because he's had to turn away the most important person in his life. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in Tadfield, uh, Newton goes into town to investigate stuff. He crashes his car. The kids on their bikes find him and they take him to Anathema's. And Anathema figures out who he is, like, oh, your ancestor killed my ancestor. Huh. Isn't that sort of weird cosmic coincidence that you show up here? So, like, well, I guess it's not so much of a coincidence. It was prophesized. Uh, And Adam, back to him, he's still gaining his powers, and he's starting to become more conscious of if I think something, it's true. He's becoming more powerful. He is consciously affecting things. And he is kind of turning against his friends, like kind of controlling them. Like they're getting scared. Like, Adam, you're behaving weird. What's going on? Why are your eyes glowing? He's like, no, everything's normal. We're going to have fun. Come on, friends. Come play with me. We can have fun. We can make the world anything we want it to be. So while his powers are starting to go out of control, there's this massive, crazy windstorm. Like, Mm -hmm. the entire town of Tadfield is in, like, hurricane conditions. And, like, Anathema's windows all pop open, and her and Newton, like, crawl under the bed to take shelter. And there is a... (laughs) Agnes Nutter had prophesied, you two are going to the bone zone. And so they go to the bone Bone zone. zone. It's like, we're gonna... Well, we're gonna wait out the storm... We're just, we're just going to boink because this old witch told us we had to. We're going to see how things go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> the bone zone. <laughs> we're going to the bone zone, bro. <laughs> I wrote That's the word boink like. in my notes. <laughs> we're just going to boink. <laughs> you know, just sort of a magic cosmic boink. <laughs> okay. I'm jumping around a lot back in London. Okay. Are you still following everything? We're, we're I'm, building towards this I'm, is the same day as Armageddon. So, so we're here's, close to here's the- where I'm, I'm okay. at with all, 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 all of this stuff. They've figured out they screwed up and wasted all, all of this time. They've tried to put their own plan into to 
action and now they're at the point where it's not working everything's falling apart and other people are starting to realize hey are these two angels and or is this angel and this demon up to something that we should pay attention to yeah this isn't good uh what's gonna happen so that's kind of where i'm at right now okay so Two of Crowley's demon bosses, this is Haster and Ligur. Okay. They uh, ambush him at his apartment. And Crowley could kind of, well, it's not a total ambush. He's like, oh, I can tell they're coming. Okay. Like he sort of knows through whatever magical means. I don't remember mm-hmm. at this time. He still has that thermos full of holy water. Yeah. So he does the old bucket on top of the door trick. Oh, so no. one of the demons opens the door to try and get him and like, the holy water falls down on him and he absolutely dissolves. There is none more of him in any possible form. There's not a fragment of soul left. Goodness. Not even a pillar of salt or no. something. <laughs> and meanwhile, and I have said meanwhile like 12 times, but this is meanwhile. how it goes. <laughs> meanwhile, back, back at, at what was the, 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 the town that the, that, Adam was Meanwhile, back in Townsville. Meanwhile, in Townsville. (laughs) (laughs) Aziraphale, he he thinks he knows where Adam is, and he still, like, hasn't told Crowley, because he's like, maybe I can talk to heaven and get them to stop this. And he's like, it's pointless. Like, we're we're losing each other. We're going to lose this. So he tries to call Crowley, and he gets the answering machine. And he's saying, I know where the Antichrist is. And at that second... Crowley pulls some sort of demon magic and he takes the other demon and imprisons them inside the answering machine. <laughs> so this demon is stuck in there hearing this constant loop of Aziraphale saying, I know where the Antichrist is. I know where the Antichrist is. I know where the Antichrist is. Is is that the message that they left that is in, in the, the answering yep. machine? Yeah, like okay. That's as much as he was able to get out of into the answering machine before that demon got stuck in there. <laughs> Yeah. Does does he get the like? Hey, you've you've reached this. We're not here right now. Please leave a message after the beep. <laughs> Believe it or not, George <laughs> isn't at home. <laughs> 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 that, that would be that would be hell. <laughs> so Aziraphale's tried to call Crowley. The crawl the call didn't go through. He's like, okay, all right. I gotta I gotta bring out the big guns now. Can I talk to God herself? Remember, God is voiced by Francis McDormand. Mm-hmm. We never see God, but presumably also looks like Francis McDormand. Sure. And he's drawing the summoning circle on the floor of his bookshop, and he lights all the candles around it. He calls it up, and he gets the Metatron, the voice of God, the presidential spokesperson of God. He's like, hey, I need Welcome. to talk to God. You've reached Metatron. <laughs> <laughs> For Spanish, hit one. (laughs) For Aramaic, press two. He's trying to say, like, I need to stop this war. I need to talk to God. And the Metatron's like, "Mm, I am God for all intents and purposes. And we're not calling off this war. You know, what what are you still doing down there? Get up here. Like, help arm. Like, get armed. Get ready to fight, Aziraphale. You're one of our top angels. Fighting. Mm. 
And at this time, Shadwell has started to kind of piece things together, and he's sneaking around the bookshop because he thinks something's up with Aziraphale. He thinks, oh, he's another one of those witches. And so he, he comes in, and he's seeing, you know, this summoning circle, this mystical spirit of the Metatron. He's like, definitely witch stuff. So he comes in, and he's trying to attack Aziraphale, and he's just got like a finger gun. He's pointing at him, for starters. You know, Shadwell's not very well armed. And he accidentally backs Aziraphale into the summoning circle. And that zaps Aziraphale. It discorporates him and it zaps his spirit back up into heaven. And Shadwell's like, oh, my finger gun can really make supernatural things disappear. Oh, no. (laughs) And as he's leaving, he knocks over a candle and Aziraphale's bookshop starts to burn down. Okay. And now we, this is the beginning of episode five. Again, I'm compressing these. We, we're in the, we're in the home stretch now, Kyle. This is, this is there. a long one. Yeah, but we're getting there. We're getting there. So Aziraphale goes up to heaven and, you know, the sort of I, heavenly. Well, actually, b- before you continue, let me ask you yes. again. So now at okay, th- let's this check back point in. in the show. What are your thoughts? What are you thinking? What what has this show done really well for for you? I'm oh, I still I love how seriously they are taking Crowley and Aziraphale and their like extra friendship with each other, like that very special 6000 year deep cosmic bond they have with each other. Mhm. I like that it's being treated like not totally romantically because you know an angel and demon isn't going to have the same concept of romance that we do. Like what they have is basically the tops of what they could have. Like, I don't know how that escalates. Like they've pretty much got it. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I'm interested to see how the rest of that is going to play out. Like what that really turns into. And Oh, like a, all the final pieces are coming together and I'm trying to remember how the book goes because I, I loved the books, but it had been a long time since I had read them since I'd read the book, the one book that it is. It, there's so much in it. It feels like several. It's one novel. Okay. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember, like, I remember all these fragments. How do these come together? I remember there's all the four horsemen on their motorcycles. Like they have this big fight out in, out in Tadfield, I don't remember what happened, so I'm, like, trying to catch up to it, but also, like, who knows what's going to be different. Maybe it'll be, like, an old Watchmen case where it's all the same, except we made this one twist. And Yeah. So it, it has there been – you said that this follows very, very closely to the book. Has there been any big, like – differences or they 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 changed this one thing yet in the show that has made it different has has, has there been something the like that? show is very close to the book i can't think of anything major that they leave out uh mostly mm-hmm. it's just some jokes some background uh context like the fact that anathema has a an ancestor that invented the concept of a device. And that's why your name is device. There's one thing that shows up throughout the show that has an explanation in the book that they just sort of leave unexplained in the show. Crowley's Bentley that he drives around. It's, it's kind of got this demonic curse on it where any music he puts in there, any tape, any CD after a fortnight, it turns to queen. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> so he he can have velvet. He's like, oh, cool, the new velvet sure, yeah. underground CD. Two weeks later, he left it in the car. Oh, dang, it's a night at the opera now. So throughout the show, they don't explain that, but just whenever he shows up, whenever he's driving his car around, the soundtrack just is Queen. It's just always <laughs> Queen without any explanation, which I kind of like better. Interesting. Okay. Good, good, good to know. And uh, yeah, and they they add some stuff like the relationship between Crowley and Aziraphale's like got a lot more depth to it. And there's something that happens in the last episode that I don't remember from the book, but that might be because Neil Gaiman just wrote it fresh, or that I just yeah. don't or, yeah, remember. Or just it. something to like play on people's expectations, and you think it's going to be this one thing, yeah. but maybe it's not. Who knows? All right, let's continue with plot stuff. Episode yeah. five. Okay. This is the beginning of episode five. This does begin with a Queen song. Crowley, after like getting that call from Aziraphale saying, I know where the Antichrist is, and then like narrowly escaping destruction and capture from these two demons, he's rushing through London mm-hmm. in his car, and he is blaring a Queen song. It is, of course, my yep. best friend. And he's trying to get to a zero fail and he shows up and the bookshop is on fire and he runs in and he's screaming, where are you? Who the hell did this? Who the heaven did this? God, Satan, somebody answer me. He's looking around. He can't find a zero fail. He doesn't know what happened to him. He doesn't know why the bookshop's on fire. He thinks somebody, he, he screams, somebody killed my best friend. And he is absolutely mm-hmm. distraught. Meanwhile, Aziraphale, uh, he's up in heaven, and whoever, like, the kind of concierge, like, the the main desk of heaven is there, and he's saying, Aziraphale, weren't you once issued a flaming sword? And Aziraphale's like, oh, hmm, yeah, I think, well, I don't know where I set it down at, you know, lose my own head next, because he's still like, I gave Adam and Eve that sword. And the guards also, like, also, aren't you supposed to have a physical body? Where's your physical body? And he's like, I accidentally got discorporated. It's a whole thing. And the guy's like, well, whatever. Like, suit up for war. And there's, like, rows of all these angel soldiers behind him. And Aziraphale's like, no, I'm not doing this. I need to go back to Earth as soon as I can. And there's this big spinning, you know, model of the Earth that I guess these angels are using for war planning. And he just sort of phases through it. And that zaps him back into Earth in this kind of ghostly form like he can kind of project himself sure. back to earth again but he still doesn't have a physical okay. body that makes sense okay i'm following along all right so he finds he finds crowley drinking miserably just absolutely despondent in some pub like you know i didn't i didn't mean to fall like i was just sort of bored one day and then there were lucifer and the guys and i'm like okay that sounds cool lucifer and then suddenly i'm you know, in a boiling pit of sulfur and hellfire like i didn't think it'd end up like this and then aziraphale kind of ghostly manifests himself in front of him and he's like aziraphale oh my god where are you you know, i thought you were dead and he's like i'm not dead i'm just sort of discorporated and what about you? I thought you were going to run away to Alpha Centauri. And he's like, no, I, th- I thought about it. Yeah, I'm not really into the idea anymore. Things have changed. I lost my best friend. <laughs> Seerfield just tries oh, to keep no. that <laughs> stiff British face. And he's like, 
I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> but you can tell it's like really impacted him because this is like the most open and honest and emotional Crowley's ever been. <laughs> like he's so concerned. He's like, Aziraphale, your bookshop, it burned down. I'm so sorry. Like everything's gone. I got one book out of there. And Aziraphale's like, what book is it? Because Crowley did when he was there, he like grabbed like one final book that wasn't on fire as he rushed out of there. Like, well, at least I've got this. And he's like, it's the nice and accurate <laughs> prophecies of Agnes Nutter, which. <sighs> and Aziraphale's like, good. Okay, you've That's got something. Use. That's helpful. Yeah. You need to get to Tadfield. That's where the Antichrist lives. I'm going to try and find a body and get there, too. Tadfield Air Base, specifically, this old defunct air base. Remember I mentioned that that's what the American ambassador was doing there in the area to begin with. And they're like, please visit this local convent that is not at all satanic for your wife to have her baby. That will definitely stay that baby and not be the Antichrist. Okay. That air base. They're going back there. Like all cosmic signs point to that place. So Aziraphale tries to get there, but Armageddon is... So fully now, on its way. Let me ask There's you this all... one, one thing. Are they yes. trying then to kill the Antichrist to then stop they it? They know What's... that... They know that is an option. Okay. Like, just, there is no Armageddon without him. an Antichrist. We don't know exactly how But, yet. like, neither of them want to do it. Like, Aziraphale's like, I am not killing okay. anyone. You're the demon. You do it. And he's like, I don't want to kill a kid. I'm supposed to be on his side. Like, we don't know. know what we're going to do yet, but we're going to go. Okay. We're going to see what we can do. So hell has come to earth in the form of this big. So in real life, there's evidently this huge highway that circles around London. They call it the orbital motorway. So it's this big ring all around the city. And Crowley needs to get past that to get out to Tadfield. It has the worst traffic jam in English history. And then it lights on fire. The entire motorway and everybody on happens. it. It just lights up in these great hellish flames. Yeah. You know, like there's traffic officers like calling the news like, you tell people to avoid uh, the highway because, um, you know, it's on fire or something. Just, just skip it. Don't uh, use a detour. And he, the remaining demon. Okay, the demon that he trapped in the answering machine, somebody else, like a telemarketer calls the answering machine and he's able to escape okay. through there. So he's back out in the world again and he materializes into Crowley's car. And Crowley has an idea to get rid of this demon and to sort of escape the motorway hell and get out to Tadfield. He's like, there's a giant wall of fire, huh? I've got something no other demon has. I have imagination. If I believe my car can do this, my car can do this. So, of course, they have Queen's I'm in love with my car blaring <laughs> as he guns it straight for the wall of flames. And the other demon's like, you can't be serious. You're not doing this. You're going to kill all of us. You're going to destroy the car. We could burn alive in here. We could discorporate at least. And then I have to go and I have to find a new body. And uh, and he just like kind of vanishes out of the car before Crowley can drive through the wall of flames. And he does it and just comes barreling out the other end, this flaming, like, Old, classic, all-black Bentley car. Fast and the Furious So he's nine. got it. Okay. <laughs> Aziraphale needs a body. You remember Madam Tracy? She's uh, the 
Shadwell's neighbor, that like fake psychic yes. woman. Yeah. Okay. She's conducting a seance. And even if she isn't really a psychic, she's still kind of opening herself up, you know, to spiritual beings. So she can act as a receptive body for Azir Fail to zap into. So he zaps into her. And it's this really neat performance where like sometimes it's her voice and sometimes it's his voice and sometimes it's both of theirs at once. And so they convince Shadwell, like, come with us. We have to get to Tadfield. The Antichrist is there. Chadwell's like, okay, cool, because I've got this new weapon that I can use. It is my finger in the shape of a gun, and it acts like a gun. (laughs) (laughs) So they leave on Madame Tracy's scooter, which doesn't do anything. So Aziraphale's like, okay, miracle time, and he makes it this flying scooter. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So we're out at the airfield base. Crowley shows up in his burning car, Aziraphale and Madame Teresa's body, and Shadwell show up on the flying scooter. Uh, Anathema and Newt are showing up there. The kids are all showing up on their bikes. And the four horsemen rode in first on their motorcycles. And the first thing they did is that there's still, this is mostly a defunct airbase up top. But down below, there's like some sort of secret government computer hub that nobody knows about. And they're like, well, we're the four horsemen. We know everything. We know it's there. And they go down there and they corrupt all the computers to trigger nuclear disarmament across the globe. So every nuclear weapon is like ready to go. Buttons ready to be pressed. All the signals are telling all the operators, press the button, launch the bomb. So that that's about to let loose too. Ahmad and every other terrible thing going on in the war uh, yeah. all going on in the world there's war is brewing famine pestilence the whole dang thing all right and anathema and newt get down there and like what are we gonna do and newton's like oh dang i i always wanted to be good with computers i told you i'm a computer engineer i'm really not because whenever i touch them they break so i know how i'm gonna fix this and anathema's like you fix it by trying to fix it If you fix it, you break it. If you break it, you break that connection. The nuclear, all the other nuclear computers go back to normal without this hub corrupting them. So that's what he does. He's like, okay, click, entire building goes down. All right. All the electronics are off. They can't poison anything else. Uh. (laughs) Adam sees a zero fail speaking through Madam Tracy and he's like, you're two people. <laughs> I don't like that. And he just like poofs them back into separate like, meetings yeah, again. No, not, so, not going to work. No. Oh, weird. I don't know. I don't like it. So Aziraphale is back to being, he's just, cor- he's incorporated again, I guess. He doesn't even have to go through the work to do it. The anti, yeah, he's recorporated. The Antichrist just made it happen for him. There you go. And Crowley and Aziraphale reveal their wings again. This is the first time we've seen them with their angel and demon wings since the Garden of Eden. And they take Adam aside and they tell him, oh, another thing I missed. By this point, so the last time we checked in with Adam, he was figuring out he could consciously do things with his powers and he was kind of controlling his friends like, come on, we'll play forever. The world can be whatever we want. And they turn on him and they're like, no, Adam, you're not you anymore. We don't like you. Even if we have to fight against you to get away, we're going home. We're not playing with you anymore. And that kind of breaks him. Like he kind of has this breakdown 
and he gets clear-headed again. He has all the same powers. He knows he has the powers, but he's okay. Adam again. He's not of the mindset of this super controlling evil sure. antichrist. He's just a normal boy. And so Crowley and Aziraphale take Adam aside and they're like, look, this whole thing hinges on you. The future's not really written in stone. It's going to be what you make it into be. Whatever it is, go for it, kid. If you want things to stay the same, you can arrange them so that they stay the same. There doesn't have to be this big war. And there's like, there's Gabriel in his armor and there's Beelzebub in her armor and like, they're all ready to go. They're like, Adam, it doesn't have to be like this. And the four horsemen are there and um, the kids, his other friends, Pepper and Brian and Winsleydale, all face up against each of the horsemen with the power of their beliefs because everything Adam believes is real. So, you know, Famine is like, I believe in hunger. And then Winsleydale's like, I believe in a nice, solid, filling meal. And he can like stab him with a sword and he dissolves because... What he represents isn't believable anymore. Like, I believe in war. I believe in peace. Stab. And like, they yeah. all slowly dissolve. And everything's falling apart in that nothing is falling apart the way it's supposed to be. Like, mm, this isn't the Armageddon we wanted. We kind of needed those four horsemen to do this. And Beelzebub or somebody is like, I'm telling your father. And they go down to hell and Satan himself Satan is voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Satan rises up from the ground <laughs> and he's yelling at his, his disobedient brat of a son. Like, oh, dear, what kind of antichrist are you? Dear, I should have raised you better. And you didn't raise me at all. Like, Adam's like, no, you were never there for me. My real dad was there for me. And basically, Adam has all the power in the universe to make what he believes and what he says real. And he so he tells Satan, you're not my real dad. So he isn't Wait. anymore. He has negated his role ah, as the Antichrist. I see. Okay. If Satan isn't his dad, he isn't the Antichrist. There isn't an Armageddon. There isn't a war. Yeah. So slowly the world starts to settle back down to normal. That's the, there's more action stuff going on around it, but that's basically the climax of the thing. So the world starts to settle down again. Everybody goes home. Shadwell and Tracy go home and she, you know, comes back over to his apartment like, do you want a cup of tea? Uh, do you want to take this money that I've saved up through all my years of being a prostitute and a fake psychic and I don't want to do that anymore? And how about you and I get married and just buy a cute house in the suburbs? He's like, okay, all right then. <laughs> so that happens. That's very sweet. And at the moment, Newton kind of consider like, well, Agnes Nutter only prophesies that we boinked the one time, but who knows? We could boink more in the future. <laughs> Maybe we can also try being a couple. We can go back to the bone and zone. A... <laughs> a lawyer comes to their door. Like, hey, I am part of a law firm that originally began centuries ago. And somebody gave my great, great law ancestor this box saying I was to deliver it here at this exact date and time. We've had this in the firm for who knows how long? There's all these bets on it. What's in the dang box? Like, we weren't told to open it. You, 
we are supposed to take this to a Mrs. Newton Pulsifer here at this cottage. Uh, please open this case and tell us what it is. This is the Nice and Accurate Prophecies Volume oh, 2. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> this is everything after the apocalypse is diverted. And so Adatham has been following these prophecies her whole life. And just like, oh my god, there's all of this amazing knowledge from my from my ancestor. Think about what's in here. But she's also like, oh, here we go again. She lived her entire life by that book, following the book, yeah. figuring out the book. And Newton tells her, do you really want to spend the rest of your life being a descendant? So they agree to just take it outside and burn it. They're just going to live blind for the rest of their life. Like, we don't... We're not doing these prophecies okay. anymore. So they're burning the prophecies, and one of them, like one little scrap of paper, escapes from from the pyre, and it floats on over to where uh, Crowley and Aziraphale are there. This is like some days later. They're there checking back up on Adam, who is back to being a normal boy. A real boy. And this piece of <laughs> this piece this piece of paper floats over to them, and it says something like. Choose your faces wisely because you're about to undergo fire or something like that. And both of their respective head offices, as it were, are coming to take them to trial. Because heaven and hell were both like, hey, you're really fraternizing with the other side. You knew there was something up with the Antichrist. You didn't. You didn't tell us. You've been acting against all your orders. You messed up this big Armageddon plan where our side was supposed to win the big battle. We put you to trial. Both of them are put to death. Crowley it will be killed by taking a bath in holy water, of course. Aziraphale will be killed by stepping into a pillar mm-hmm. of hellfire. Both of them go to their deaths and walk right through it smiling like Crowley is there just like you know in his boxers and his undershirt just splashing (laughs) around in this tub of holy water like can anybody bring me a rubber duck do you rubber ducks in hell (laughs) (laughs) and then Aziraphale is just standing there in the pillar of flame grinning and he like breathes some fire (laughs) like a dragon at all the angels and both sides are like okay well if we can't kill you you're free again, I guess. Like, just go back to doing what you were doing. It's fine. It, you know, we can live with her not being an Armageddon. Just go back to doing what you're doing. All right, it's off. You know, punishment's off. It didn't work. And so... Let's check back in with Adam. Our final visit with Adam. Mm-hmm. You remember how the story began in the Garden of Eden? And it is Adam and Eve leaving the garden for the rest of creation. Yes. Adam, back at home, uh, his real parents, the parents he has chosen, have grounded him because they're like, we don't know what was going on, but we bet it was something worth you being in trouble for. So he's like grounded and his mom's like, okay, you can take dog out into the garden and give him some exercise, but that's it. Like, don't leave the fence. Don't leave the yard. You can't go out and play with your friends. And Adam's out there, and he still has some of his cosmic powers left. He is not this Antichrist figure, but he's got, you know, some of the razzle-dazzle of it. And he's like, oh, man, dog, if there was suddenly a hole in the fence and you ran away, I'd have to run out there and chase you. I'd have to leave the garden. Oh, I'd just have to go out there and play. 
And so he makes a hole appear in the fence and Dog runs away and he's like, oh, Dog, here I am. I'm running after you. And he's running through the fields with Dog and he like pops into some like neighbor's yard and he grabs an apple off the tree. And just the way it began, you take an apple and it's always worth taking the apple, no matter what happens. The experience is worth it. And so he leaves the garden with his apple out for the rest of the world. There a very go. poetic ending. Good stuff. But the story closes. No, one more. The story closes on Aziraphale and Crowley. It's the two of them sitting on a bench in the park. And they're like, okay, well, we've escaped punishment. I think heaven and hell will both leave us alone mm-hmm. for a while. Like, maybe they'll try and start Armageddon again, however many centuries from now. They work up the courage. They can arrange it again. They're still itching for that war. But for now, things are normal. Things are peaceful. They're not watching us. You know, we were just basically traitors. They're not really giving us assignments. We are free to be on our own. And they reach out and they shake each other's hands and they swap back into each other's bodies. (laughs) That... (laughs) Because what Agnes says was, you choose your faces wisely because you're about to face fire. So they had to swap bodies, which is kind of this cosmic thing that it's hinted that they can do. So like, that's that's why why, they survived. Yeah, a Xerophil can survive a holy water bath. Crowley can survive being submerged in hellfire. So they swap back, none the wiser. bait and switch. And they're like, and they're like, wow. Who knows how any of this was supposed to go down? Remembering the Garden of Eden again, like, we didn't know. Were we supposed to give them the apple? Were we supposed to give them the flaming sword? How was any of that supposed to go? Do we do it right? Do we do it wrong? Is it part of God's ineffable plan? The plan we can never know, we can never guess at, we just live and we just figure that's how it's supposed to be. Francis McDormand is very smart. And they're like, well, yeah, we'll never know. The point is now we're free. Let's, and Crowley says, can I tempt you to some lunch? And Xerophil's like, well, temptation accomplished. And they're going to, they go have this beautiful lunch together, this cute little table for two with a bottle of wine there at the Ritz. And they toast each other. And as Xerophil says, this wouldn't have happened if you weren't at least a little bit of a good person inside. And Crowley says, and I always knew you were just enough of a bastard deep down to be worth knowing. And the two of them just give each other these big, gooey, tender looks and clink their glasses. And that's the end of the show. There you go. Good stuff. Very satisfying so, ending. Yeah. Now that we've kind of recapped the whole thing, what are your thoughts on on the rest of it? Like what? It, I really like it. I like things that you didn't like as much, or stuff you wished were um, I th- better. I think there was one, like there was one thing I would have liked to see in the show, and it's we get a little flashback to like little Anathema, Anathema when she's like eight years old, and she's just like drawing in the prophecy book, like she doesn't take it seriously, and her mom is trying to impress on her, like this is your legacy you are going to be the one to face down Armageddon because we know when Mm -hmm. it happens, you are the most recent device. You're the most recent descendant of Agnes Nutter. It's going to be you. And then we don't see her again until she is an adult and she is like taking it seriously. And she went from a very normal little girl to this fairly witchy looking adult woman. And I would have liked to see like one middle point and okay, 
How did she get there? Gotcha. Like, what was it like for her to really accept this and embrace? I'm a witch. I am a, a descendant of this famous prophesizer. I am the one to try and stop Armageddon. Gotcha. That makes sense. I liked her a lot. She's in the show a decent amount. I would have just like one little like connective scene between the one flashback we get for her and where she starts. Okay. But uh, the part I didn't remember from the books was the two trials, like the the holy water bath and the pillar of fire. And again, I don't know if that's new or if I have just forgotten. Who can say? Well, I guess I can say if I look it up or read the book <laughs> or look again. It up on the line. But either way, it was neat. It seems like it absolutely fits in. I really like it. I think the show has more of a coda to the end of it. I think there's more time spent. Because I think there's probably a solid, like, half hour of wrap-up. Mm-hmm. Like, after Armageddon is averted, after Adam tells Satan, you're not my real dad. They, like, they spend, like, a good 30, 40 minutes, like, tying together everything. And because this show made Crowley and Aziraphale the real protagonists, their story has to right. close. Like, all right, they have been kind of sneaking around behind Heaven and Hell's backs. What's their consequence for that what happens to them and how do they try and get out of it and just the end uh the way the book ends is that i think they are like ah well that was quite a day you want to go get some dinner and like it leaves with them going to the ritz and oh i did a book report on this when i was in like 11th grade and one of the and it was like a big multi-part book report like the whole semester was like okay do all of these little things about one book And one of them was write a scene that is in the timeline of the book, but is not shown. Like write a little flash sideways sort of thing. And I wrote like the dinner they went out and had. Because it sort of ends with, and then they went out to dinner and wouldn't you know what a nightingale sang in Berkeley Square. (laughs) So it sort of happens within, like you don't see it. I'm like, this is covered within the plot of the book, it's kind of a coda. I think I can get away with it. And my teacher was like, that is more of an after the book thing, but you wrote more than anybody else in the class. You wrote like a you real a story. page fan so fiction I'll, here. I'll... What the? Come on, Melissa. <laughs> it wasn't that long. I don't remember how long it was. I don't remember what happened. I know that I did that, but the lines, the conversation... How I chose to emulate Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman as an 11th grader, I don't remember the details anymore. That might be for the better. (laughs) But I like that we get to see that scene and have that really lovely end cap with those two characters and all they've been through. Uh, Well, in honor of of one of our other podcasts, um, the review show... If people liked this, what else might you might recommend to them? Uh, definitely check out other stuff by these authors. I have not read as much Terry Pratchett as I should have, just because his catalog is so and vast. And yeah. I know you could pick up like any Discworld, but which Discworld? I know it narratively doesn't Disc matter, two? but like Discworld. everybody knows there's one I should yeah. start with. Yeah. I've read a couple of you know Neil Gaiman books. I also did a book report on Neverwhere around this time, so I think I spent like a whole year just doing game and book reports okay. in school. They let me get away <laughs> with that. I would also recommend um, 
This is something I've brought up before. This is my favorite standalone novel. My favorite ongoing book series is The Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. This is an urban fantasy series. This is set in modern times. It's about a wizard who works as a a PI in Chicago. He is Chicago's only professional wizard, and he uses his magic to try and solve crimes. That has a similar... It doesn't have that same, like, British humor to it, but it's also, like, real sharp-witted. It's got a really funny narrator. It's got this amazing blend of all these different, like, supernatural mythologies, biblical mythologies in there. There's angels, there's demons. There is an ongoing, you know, an, an impending Armageddon that he has to try and figure out how to stop. It also is a really great romance in it. Lots of fun side characters. So if you want something vaguely like this, but more Midwestern American than British, and it takes 15 plus books <laughs> to do anything... Try there the Dresden go. Files. Uh, well, I, I, I might recommend. Yeah, what does this remind you of, having just heard yeah, it described so to you? This sounds like it's more lighthearted and uh, c- comedic, and not a like a raunchy, disrespectful way. If if that makes no. sense, but. If if yeah. you wanted a similar type of story, Angels and Jamins, kind of a comedy, mm-hmm. but maybe more on the raunchy side, maybe more on the little bit disrespectful side and, and, and stuff like that, I would recommend uh, the comic series Preacher, uh, which there is an... Oh, okay. I was trying to figure out what you were going for, and I thought it was the movie I, I Dogma. I guess wrong. That film. Um, but, yeah, it that's a story about uh basically god quits and he's just like all right well i'm oh, done yes <laughs> so he he did d- d- disappears Bye. yeah and the angels have mm-hmm. no idea what to do there is this other angel and d- 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 Heyman that uh had a baby and that's a whole thing and then there's this guy that mm-hmm. uh gets the powers of the word of god he's the main character and so he can speak and people will do things they will follow him and they will do what he says uh and then he's traveling around basically the country or uh, yeah uh with a couple companions one is his ex-girlfriend or like on again off Mm -hmm. again girlfriend who's also a deadly assassin uh and their other companion is a vampire and oh i love a vampire it's just this like wild cast of characters travel in the country looking for god so they can be like fuck you go back go back to your (laughs) job you have a job to do do we shouldn't have to do all of this this is shitty no one wants to do this like who the hell do you think you are you know so this is one of my older brother's favorite comic series and i think he was also really satisfied with the tv adaptation season one of the tv adaption Mm. it's definitely very different i haven't kept Mm -hmm. up with it though uh but yeah i i would recommend the comic series very good. Very 
raunchy very cool okay (laughs) i can see this yes they they don't hold anything back (laughs) (laughs) they you know don't use phrases like boing bang yeah no (laughs) (laughs) they they go straight for those bad words (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah so it, it it reminded me a lot of that so okay Good stuff, but, but yeah, good. B- 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 based on everything you described, this show has piqued my in- interest, um, which is yes. a, a good thing. If it's... I ever get access to mm-hmm. a- Amazon, I think this is something that you I know. Be get yourself a better. free trial. It's only six hours long, so if you get a month's trial, you know that's just one day or one weekend's yeah. worth of it, and then you got plenty of time to you know get your money's worth elsewhere. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, good stuff. Yep, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, uh, uh, d- d- did you enjoy having the story told to you? <laughs> yes. Okay. This definitely was a bit of an experiment on how yeah. this would work. So maybe d- d- down the road we'll Im- improve on it some way if we mm-hmm. do something else like this again down the road. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but we will see. Mm-hmm. We will see. Uh, I know coming up here soon, I want to say our next, I, I, I don't know exactly yeah. our, what our next episode of this will be. I'm thinking it's going to be Spider-Man. Probably. Yeah. Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure exactly, but I, it's looking like that will be the next episode of the Reactor Core so be on the lookout for that in about a month's t- time or so. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, we already did all the housekeeping. We did. So go like, share, subscribe, follow us on all the social medias. Yeah. Melissa, where, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. And I am at Yo Kyle Springer on both Twitter and Instagram. If you want to keep up with uh, this show or any of the other podcasts that we do, we are at the Whatnots on Twitter. Uh, Thewhatnots.com for more. I don't. I don't need to do all of this since we already did all of the stuff. But it's so I've. All right, you know. Let's just let's get out of here. Okay. We've been talking. Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. They've had enough of us. Uh, We will see you guys next time. Thank you for checking this out. Adios. Bye.